I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Welcome to episode 294. 94. We're six away from 300 episodes. Thank you to Pet Sitters Associates and our Patreon members like Beth, Claire, Adriana, Doug, Laura, and Ashley. We are very appreciative that you guys listen, that you share, and that you contribute financially to help support and continue to have this podcast going. If you'd like to become a Patreon and support the show, you can go to PetSitterConfessional.com slash support. And even if you can't, if you aren't in a place where you can financially support right now, that is okay. We, If you know of another pet sitter with, that would benefit from the knowledge of us and other pet sitters on this podcast, feel free to share any of the episodes with them. And invite them to our Facebook group as well. Yeah, it's called Sitter Confessionals. Last week in episode 292, we talked about ways to address inflation and high gas prices and everything we're kind of feeling right now in the economy. And in the past, we've also talked about how to set your prices. So what do these things have in common? Well, you have to know your budget and your numbers personally and in your business so that you can do these things. And so again, it's not just your business budget, it's your personal budget as well. It is critical to the health of your finances and to what you can contribute to your business. And your mental and emotional well-being as well. And so when you start to build the muscles of budgeting, nobody really likes to talk about it, but it is important. (laughs) When you start to build these muscles in your personal life, it is easier to do in your business. It's easier to translate some of these things that you're learning that you're applying to your personal life into your business. So it sounds really simple, (laughs) but setting a budget is really telling your money where it's going instead of wondering where it went. And we really stole that from Dave Ramsey, who we took his uh, financial peace class 10 years ago. Right after we got married. Yes. (laughs) And it was actually incredibly helpful because it taught us how to be wise with money because we both brought money not a lot, but a little bit into our marriage. And so we had to say, okay, now what What do we want to do with this moving forward for the next 50, 60 years? I think more important than that, it got us both on the same page of understanding that understanding money is important. And that yeah. feeling that it is important to us and our well-being, both financially, physically, and emotionally, it's important to understand what those numbers are. And so really, I, I think there are basically five big reasons why people need to budget and need to budget more. And the first one is, is that it keeps you focused on your goals. And there's a saying that if you want to see what's actually important to somebody, look at their calendar and then look at their bank account. You see, setting a budget is you declaring what your priorities are in life and what you're willing to sacrifice to get there. And that's the really important part of a budget is that we are saying yes to some things, which means we are saying no to others. We are setting our priorities and putting a dollar figure in front of it. Well, that sounds a lot like what we do in our business with our goals and our (laughs) objectives. A, A budget actually forces you to map out your goals. 
It forces you to sit down and go, how am I going to get from point A to point B? What is my financial situation going to look like in five years? So it forces you to map that out. It forces you to save money, keep track of your progress, and really turn your dreams into a reality. Because ultimately, whenever you start working through this process of taking the unknown and turning it into a known, taking the unknown finances, wondering why you never have money, wondering where it all went, taking that and turning it into something actually, it makes it productive for you. And you actually start changing behaviors and patterns in your life. Well, and I think the biggest thing for me when we do a budget is it helps us make sure we're not spending money on things we don't need. I am an incredibly frugal person. I feel like I would say cheap. But frugal's a nice one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can you know how to really stretch a dollar to its fullest. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Which is super important in the in the economic climate that we're in right now, knowing what can this one dollar do for me? Where should I put this dollar versus some somewhere else? Yeah, because I feel like too many people sometimes are spending money they don't have on things they don't need and it's to impress people they don't even like. Which is also a saying that Dave Ramsey has. (laughs) But doing a weekly review of your budget really allows you to compare what you spent versus what you said you would spend to stay on track. You can use a tracking app like Mint. We use that for a long time to keep track of everything in one place to see what we were spending, how much money we had in our accounts. But it can be especially tricky if you're not tracking the money that you spend on credit cards because that can really come back to bite you the next month when you realize that you've actually spent more than you can actually pay back. So I feel like credit cards are a really good thing to have as long as you can pay the balance off every month. Yeah, and you're using them wisely and not overspending and not thinking, oh, I have a $5,000 limit on this credit card. That means my budget has increased by $5,000. It hasn't. You have to pay that back eventually. So it's really important to know. And it's important that if you create and stick to a budget, you'll you'll never find yourself in those precarious situations of guessing or wondering how much money you have at any given point, because you'll know exactly how much money you have coming in and you know exactly how much money you can afford to spend each month. And then the third bucket is how much you need to save. Yeah. Saving for emergencies, very, very helpful and necessary because a pandemic, you are walking a dog and you slip and fall and break your leg. You know, we don't know when we're going to become sick or injured. So emergencies usually arise at the worst possible time, you know, when you're already strapped for cash, but it's exactly why you need an emergency fund. And we did already talk about the importance of having an emergency fund in the context of investing your money on episode 289. And Joshua on that episode really talked about the importance of what an emergency fund does. It sets your mind at ease and gives you peace to go out and take more risk for investing. But in this case, what we're saying is that the emergency fund can put you at ease and give you peace to weather storms as they come. Right now, as we are facing a high inflation and a potential recession that we may or may not have already entered in, depending on who you talk to, we can have a little bit of money on the side that can help push us through some really tough times ahead. And we don't have to panic in those moments. Well, and it also will ensure that you don't spiral down into a lot of debt after some sort of crisis that you have. And of course, it's going to take time to build up that emergency fund, I think they recommend having a year's worth. Yeah, Josh talked about having a year's worth, but basic, you know, start with a month's worth. Set the goals. Budgeting is a lot about goal setting, as we've already mentioned. So for your emergency fund, work to have a month's worth of expenses covered and then expand that to three months and then six months and then work that all the way up to a year. And then that just 
sits there. And that's the worst case scenario. Everything, you know, pot hits the fan and we need to do something. You are, you know, you're going to be okay at least for a little bit. Setting a budget is also going to uncover any bad spending habits that you didn't realize that you have. Oh, it's yeah. very uncomfortable. <laughs> like those subscription boxes or the um, subscriptions that Amazon has. The auto ships for things, or just under understanding how how many streaming services are you uh, subscribed to? So, quick question: How much money did you spend eating out last week? Not do that you, e- do you know? Yeah, not that eating out in and of itself is a bad habit. What is a bad habit is not knowing what you spend and not having a plan for that money. Yeah, every dollar has a name, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> every dollar has a name, it's got a job, and it, it, nothing surprises you. The thing about a budget is that you set it, and then you live by it. The budget is impartial. The budget does not flinch away from the truth when the numbers don't add up. When you say, oh, I'm just going to spend, I'm going to spend $300 on eating out, and then you sit down and do your budget, and you found that you actually spent $1,000 that month eating out. That is painful. So don't be afraid of when these numbers don't quite add up. The important part is that you see it, you recognize it, and then you set a plan to move forward with it. Well, and there are two scenarios for that. Either one, you like eating out that much, so then you need to adjust other areas of your budget to account for the $1,000 of eating out. Or the other side of, oh, I, I really need to cut back on the eating out because I actually really only want to spend $300. Yeah. Oh, I actually have my other priorities. Again, we talked about priorities. The important part here is going, oh, I had a priority of actually saving 20% of my income. And I can't do that if I eat out this much. So there's a sacrifice that I have to make for short-term, short-term pain for long-term gain. Because you actually start to see and feel when your spending doesn't match up with your goals, which actually encourages some better behaviors to start engaging. And then finally, setting a budget really helps you sleep at night. In busy seasons or times of turmoil, like the pandemic was, th- th- you can really lose sleep at night thinking about, oh, do I have enough money to cover this or what's going to happen with the future? Or maybe you panic at the grocery store because you suddenly don't remember how much is in your bank account and you worry about your card being declined and feeling a little bit embarrassed. A budget doesn't make more money appear in your account, but you know what you have and you know you have a plan in place. So it's important to do one because that means you can take back control over your money. Your money doesn't rule you because you have told it where to go. When you budget your money wisely, you will never lose sleep over financial issues again because you'll know where it's going. Well, and as a business, it helps us make better decisions. I know when Megan and I, when we, when we plan, it really helps for us to sit down and see how much money's coming in and how much we're, we're spending so that we can have peace about those decisions that we're making so that we know, okay, I can afford to increase my ad spend or I can afford to sponsor this or I can't afford to buy those poop bags in the special little containers right now, but I'm going to save that for later. It kind of helps us rearrange what we can and can't do. And knowing it in concrete numbers really helps with those decisions. Something in your business that you absolutely need to budget for is insurance. As pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. And Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they've provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. Because you work in the pet care industry, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why Pet Sitters Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote today at PetsitLLC.com. You can get a discount when joining by clicking Membership Pet Sitter Confessional and using the discount code 
confessional at checkout to get $10 off. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetsitLLC.com. And so now we're going to talk about some budgeting basics. We're going to follow a few simple principles. And the first one is to calculate your monthly income. But for solopreneurs, this can be a tough thing to do because each month tends to be different and crazy. And even (laughs) if you have staff as well, there's some months that are busier and some months that are a little leaner. Yeah, basically just being an entrepreneur running your own business, it is hard to predict how much money you're going to make. I mean, we've, we've done that even this month alone if we thought we knew what was coming in. And then a couple days ago, we had a massive influx of bookings. And okay, well, that, all, the, all the last minute Louis. Lots of last minutes. They continue to surprise us. And we went, okay, well, that changes the game. Or sometimes we think we know what we're going to get. And you get slammed with a bunch of cancellations, a lot, especially going on now with flight cancellations and all sorts of things going on. So basically, if you're going, well, I don't know how much to put at my top line budget item. I have no idea. How can I predict that? Well, even if you've been in business for three months, three points, three data points makes a trend line. And we can start to make some averages that are actually going to be statistically significant for us. So actually what I would try and do is take the average of the last six months each time you sit down to do your budget. And then you can start getting an annual understanding of, okay, Januaries tend to do this the longer you're in business. You can go, okay, Januaries are high for me, or maybe they're low for me, and I know February does this and this. And you can start to get a general sense of what you're going to have coming through the door. This can actually be really, if you're into numbers or even if you're not into numbers, this can really be a fascinating thing to see, okay, I live in this area and these are the trends. So like where we live, we have a state fair that goes on every single year in August. And so we know that people coming in and wanting certain services, we know that August for us will be a little bit of an abnormal increase in demand, even though, you know, kids are starting to go back to school and parents, you know, teachers and everybody's going back to work, but we still see an increase because of the state fair. Yeah. And that comes from a lot of questions when you ask a new intake forms, how'd you hear about us? That simple question is so powerful for you because then you can start uh, budgeting around that fact. Okay. The state fair is in August. I know that our budget's going to go up then. What does that mean for us? I can save more. I can also spend more of my business if I need to. Maybe that's the month that I buy shirts because I know I'm going to have a little extra cash to do that for the team. Or maybe it's, I set a little bit more aside to weather a storm down the line. You make those kind of decisions, but you have to understand what you have coming through the door to start this entire process. And sometimes just getting some numbers down is better than nothing at all. I know it feels daunting. It can be scary and you don't want to quote unquote guess wrong, but the process is what is important at the end of the day. Working through this process, building these muscles, getting an understanding and of how your business operates, about where that money goes, how it comes in, how it flows through and off to you. That is ultimately what we're after here is just the overall process. And then you also need to find a system for your budget. The two most common systems are the envelope system. Or envelope system. Oh, no. (laughs) Envelope starts with an E. Come on now. Fine. (laughs) This is an ongoing debate in our house. The envelope system and the zero-based budgeting system. So the envelope system is just what it sounds like. You put money in an envelope. It's typically cash. And you put that in an envelope. And when it's empty, you can't spend any more money. Yeah. You can also do this with some more modern banks. You can set aside money in different accounts, sub-accounts, without having to have set minimums for them. And you can spend out of those, especially if you're doing a lot of online or you're kind of pretty married to your debit card. You can do these things that way. You can release funds as you need it from these little accounts. But yes, in the traditional method, you're taking cash and putting it in an envelope. A what? 
putting it in an envelope. Thank I can't you. say it. <laughs> and then, and then importantly here, when that money's gone, it's gone and you, you move on to something else. And then the second one is the zero based budgeting. And that's the t- one that most of us are familiar with of my income minus my expenses should be zero. And you just work through it like that. And it's a way of budgeting of going, okay, as this number gets closer and closer to zero, I need to change my spending habits more drastically. And so part of your expenses would be your savings account, right? Exactly. That that definitely is included, which brings us to the 50-30-20 rule. This is a very simple framework to set up just general proportions of what we're supposed to do with our money. So we've calculated what our money our money coming in. Now we've got to figure out what big buckets do we put in. So 50%, again, this is all general and you have to figure out what's going to work best for you and what you actually need because especially right now with all the inflation and prices going through the roof these numbers are going to change a little bit but in general what financial people recommend is that you put 50% of your income towards your your needs these are housing food clothing medical and i know housing is really bad right now it used to be recommended that housing shouldn't take up more than 30% of your total income but that's that's literally almost impossible these days to to control housing to that extent. And again, this is for a personal budget, right? So this is everything coming into your personal account, not your business account. Yeah, exactly. And we've talked a little bit about this on Profit First as far as budgeting for your your business based. And so that's another methodology for your business specifically is profit first. And so you can set what that recommends is that any money you get in for the business, for the business, you immediately take a little bit off the top to go towards profit that you can reinvest back in later down the line. And then he has a bunch of different ratios in there for how much to set aside for taxes. So again, for business, I've got a budget for how much I need to set aside for my personal taxes. That includes 30%. Welcome to entrepreneurship. They recommend 30, setting 30% aside, at least over here in the States. I'm not sure about our international listeners, how that works for you. Talk to a CPA. And even for those in the United States, talk with the CPA even after this episode. (laughs) But taking that money and going, okay, I need 30% here. They also recommend setting something aside for the business expenses of 30% for expenses. 30% of that money you're going to send off to that the business is going to spend. This is why we just so recommend having a business account and a personal account. So my business can spend money that I don't have to. My business is going to spend money that can write off at the end of the year. If I buy the leashes with the business, that's a tax write-off. If I buy those leashes with my personal, eh, not so much and harder to do. So 30% could set aside for our business expenses. And then what's that left over? We've got 30% aside for taxes, 30 for expenses. That 60%, that's what goes to you. And that's that top line. So that's 60% that comes from your business income. That 60% that you transfer over into your personal account, that becomes your top line income item for your personal account. You see how these bucket, this one fills up with the business, then the spillover is that 60% that goes into your personal. That starts at your new 100%. And that's the numbers that we're working with and talking about right now. Because I know a common question is, how much do I pay myself? And so you're saying 60%. 60%, right? And I know, again, this is totally different depending on how much your expenses are. If you have employees, if you have ICs, all that stuff goes into it. But if you are out there and you are a solopreneur, you're rocking it, you're killing it, your business is growing, every dime, that you, every penny that your business earns, 60% of that, try and make that go to you. So at that point, you have goals. Okay, I want 60% of that go to me. That means I need to control my expenses a little bit more. That means I need to maybe try and grow my business a little bit more so I can afford these other things as well. It's That's what this process starts to do. When we understand what these proportions are doing for our business, 
we make changes and we make decisions based on them. So we talked about the 50% of income that goes to your needs, so housing, food, clothing, et cetera. And then there's also the 30% that goes uh, 30% of your income for wants. So this is entertainment, going out to eat, movies, that sort of thing. All that kind of stuff. Exactly. These are the wants. And now this is just, a, again, generic form 30%. And you as the individual ultimately decide which you deem a want versus a need. But we have to be realistic about it. Does this help me survive and thrive? Or is this kind of icing on the cake? Is this something maybe that I will spend money on once I get on a better footing? Or is this something that I have to have in my life right now? And so the last 20% there of your income is going to savings and any debt repayments that go above and beyond just the minimums that you need to pay. Exactly. So the debt minimums are included in your needs. In the 50%. In the 50% because those are commitments that you have to keep going. And then we, uh, after we budget through all this, we're left with this 20% where now I can save or I can double down and start paying more back on my debt repayments. And throughout this entire process, again, it's the process that's important here. So track and manage through regular check-ins. This is crucial. It will. It's never a set it and forget it process, especially for for us, right? Since our income as business owners is constantly in flux, and the world is pretty crazy right now, we need to be able to make changes as quickly as possible. And to do that, we need to have a constant idea of what's coming in and what's going out. You can track in a Google Doc or Google or an Excel file or an app, like Megan mentioned earlier about Mint, or even there's one called You Need a Budget YNAB. It's called You Need a Budget? Yeah. Oh, well, that's handy. Exactly. <laughs> so let's dive into a an example here. And I know everyone loves doing math on a podcast. So we'll try to keep it short and sweet. Yeah, we're going to stick with a zero-based budget um, where we are left with $0 after expenses. We're going to start with the business budget. So let's say your business brings in $8,000 a month. It's a pretty big month. Right off the bat, you need to set aside 30% for taxes. And then we're going to set aside 30% of that $8,000 for expenses. And I know what you're saying right now. You're saying, but I don't, I don't have that many expenses. What are you talking about? One of the great things about running a service-based business, especially in pet care, is that my expenses are, 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 are minimal. I don't have a lot of money to spend on those kind of things. But hear me out on this. What if you took some of that money and you actually budgeted for sponsoring events, buying amazing gear, getting the best insurance, getting the best software, or buy, you're going with a coach, or whatever it is? Or even just some practical things like your website, or if you have a business line with Google Voice, or running Facebook ads. Until you set money aside, we won't have that money around to spend on making our business better. And that is so important, is that we can and we are able to make our business do things for the business and invest back into the business. We hear that a lot. Invest money back into business. What does that mean? It means I take money that the business earns and I put it back into the business. And I'm only going to be aware enough to do that if I've budgeted for that, if I set aside a little bit of money. And here's the thing. That first time, you're going to have no idea what you're doing. And you're going to go, I don't know. How much money do I need to set aside for this? I don't know. But go ahead and skim back through some of your personal expenses and see what you were already spending money on there. Are you still paying for Canva out of a personal account? Are you running a website? Are you paying for that out of a personal account? Shift that over into the business and start building that into the business budget so you have those monthly expenses that you know you have to meet for the business side of things. 
Well, and we know that some of you listening already do this every single month, and that's great. We're right. trying to talk to everybody here, whether you're, you've never done this sort of thing before, you don't have a business account, you've had a business account for years, you already know all of this stuff. Hopefully, some of this will be helpful to you. Exactly. And it's always good, to, again, to go ahead and reassess some of the basics, some of the principles from time to time to make sure you're staying on track. So after we've set aside the 30% for taxes and the 30% for our expenses, we're left with about $4,800. That's the 60% left. That is what we are going to transfer over into our personal account. This becomes our top line item for doing our zero-based budget. I have $4,800 now for that month to spend on myself, to meet my needs, my wants, and save or pay off debt. Okay, so 50% of that is 2400 and that goes to groceries, housing, your electricity, transportation, your own health insurance or auto insurance or whatever you have, and then any minimum loan payments that you have. If you have student loan debt or credit card debt, anything beyond the minimum goes into the savings and debt repayment category, the other 20% that we talked about earlier. Even if your necessities fall under the 50% cap, revisit these fixed expenses occasionally, like your cell phone bill. Can you get it from a cheaper carrier? Can you shop at a different grocery store? Like if you're really trying to pinch pennies here, think about some of these things where you can save a little bit money. And then the next 30%, so we're, again, this is the personal budget, the 50, 30, 20. So the 30% is for your wants. And again, if your needs exceed the 50%, this number will have to be lower. And then the 20%, the remaining, goes to saving and investing. That would be $960. And honestly, this should come pretty high on our priority list, our order of operations. Here's what we want to get away from. We want to get away from paying everybody else before we pay ourselves. This is a truism that we talked about in the Profit First episode, and it's a truism when we're going to talk about budgeting for ourselves. It makes no sense for me to pay, make sure everybody else is covered. All of those things are getting covered if I'm not setting some aside for myself. So in our business, that means that we set profit aside first, and we take that 60% out, and we pay ourselves right off the top. And then we are left to finish with the business expenses. Setting money aside and putting it into savings or investing or paying back more of your debt should be very high on our order of operations. Because here's the thing, if we don't put it first, we're never going to get around to it. If I'm always putting money towards my wants, I'll never have enough money left over to save at the end of the day. It's very easy to get those things mixed up. So as we've gone through this, you can start to see how your money can go really fast, which is where we start looking at the inflow and outflow of our money and where it goes. We either make more or we spend less or both. (laughs) And so some of our recommendations are first that you automate your saving and investing. We have set investing to automatically happen the first and the 15th of every single month. We literally never see that money. It just disappears. So we never even miss it. Exactly. And that's important here. It is as painless as possible. I know what I have left to budget for after that's already been accounted for. Because saving and investing is very important to us. Exactly. And then also recognize that change is going to happen. So we have done, we've done budgeting over the past 10 years that we've been married and it looks literally nothing like (laughs) our budget today. The budget that we started with 10 years ago is nothing like today. We now have a house, we have kids, we have a whole, we, we have a couple businesses now that we didn't have 10 years ago and things just look completely different. So 
that is going to happen. Anticipate that. And it's not scary. It's just, it's life. Which is why it's so important to do reviews as frequent as possible. There's the weekly reviews that you can do of what did I spend last week. And then you can start thinking of what's coming up this next week. Then you can do quarterly reviews at the business level and go, what? how's my business operating? Then big annual reviews. But you are constantly in this review process because you're constantly needing to take in new data, take in that new six-month average, look forward to the next six months of expenses, and understand how you are operating both at the business and the personal level. These are integrally tied. And I know we've talked about this before. As a solopreneur or even us, we are incredibly busy as pet sitters. We're doing the 6 a.m.s. We're doing the 9 p.m.s day in and day out, seven days a week. And a lot of us are not taking breaks. We haven't had a day off in a long time. But this is something that is crucial. This will make or break you. This really will. When you go to for your business and realize there's no money left in your business because you've been spending it all on some things that you actually Or not saving it appropriately. Or not saving it appropriately. This can make or break you at the personal level when you realize you're at the grocery store and that debit card is declined and you go, oh, that's right. I, you know, I had $100 in there and I went and I spent it on all this stuff. That's where that went. You don't want to find yourselves in those positions. And we understand that times are really hard right now and things are tough. And one of the best things that we can do is start resting back control over our money and our finances and start consciously and very intentionally. That's a very big word here with budget is intentionally placing our money where we want it to go. And I think the last point here is not to freak out. So we, you know, you've set your numbers and then you see what you're actually doing. If you do this for the first time and you go, whoa, I am spending this much and my business is only making this much. It's very hard not to, but do not worry or panic. You can change it. The fact that you are doing a budget at all is a very good sign that you want to change things, that you want your, your finances to be healthy and just understand that it takes time to change course if you are really off on your numbers. And if you do need some help with that, we are willing and able to help. Colin has made a spreadsheet of everything that you could need in a budget. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but it's worked for us really well. So I have a spreadsheet that basically breaks down expenses out into the major categories so that you can see how much each category bucket is 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 taking up in your life. So you'll have all these little individual line items for your budget that are added together in a big category. So you can see, oh, wow, my, 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 my wants are actually huge compared to my needs. And then we also, I also have it linked from my, my business, our business budget down into our personal budget. And you can see as I am able to do more visits, it automatically changes a bunch of numbers on the personal side of things of what we're able to do or how we're able to save or cut back as need be when a lot of cancellation comes in. Okay, we had originally set that budget for you know $200 eating out, but business is down. So that $200 gets deleted and goes to zero. So I have money for other things. And that's what this kind of allows you to do. So if you are a spreadsheet kind of person. And who isn't? Uh, I mean, well, tell me. Yeah, I know. Sorry. People. <laughs> <laughs> you can send us an email at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com and we will send that over to you. Just as setting a budget is kind of a, a long-term view, business coach Natasha O'Banion is going to answer the question, how do I get a long-term view of my business? Oh, I love that. So you want to just start with the word legacy. What is the legacy you want to leave behind in your business? When I start using the word legacy, it really helped me 
start to work around myself because I'm like, I'm doing all this hard work. I'm doing my best to, you know, build the business up. I'm, I'm breaking my back sometimes. We all know how that feels. But then if I, you know, clock out, what happens to the legacy? What happens to all the hard work that I just put in? What happens, you know, when you see those businesses since 1999, since 1936? Well, those are legacy businesses. That means that without the founder, that imprint stays in the community for years to come. So when you're looking at your business right now, Ask yourself the honest question, like, am I running a business that can sustain itself beyond me for generations, for community, after myself? And as we all know, it's a no. If we're only running it by ourselves, it's not going to. Because as soon as I'm sick, as soon as I'm like, you know what, I actually want to change careers, then that's just over. So think long-term down the road on how you, like all this effort you're doing, all this energy you're putting in, what does that mean to you? You know, are you self-employed for yourself or are you thinking about what your brand means for the long-term? And what context are businesses in? Are we a flash in the pan in the grand scheme of the timeline or what do I need to have in place right now to be uh, the, the long burn, the slow simmer so that I can keep going? And you said very, you know, that word sustainable. We look at our work rate. We look at the load that we're carrying. We look at our processes and I go, is this, is this sustainable for the next 30 years? And that's a weird, when we really start looking at our businesses in 50 year chunks, it's like, very different. It really changes the game for what I'm doing, what I'm writing down, how I'm hiring, how I'm presenting myself. If I think what if, if what I do right now is impactful, how will it impact 50 years down the line? And put some time frames on that to at least start helping us wrap our brains around what we're building. Yeah, and give yourself some flexibility. When I first started my dog walking business, I had no interest in doing products. I was like, I'm service-based. I'm service-based. That's where I am. I'm not product, but now times have changed where I'm like, wow, I actually really like creating products. I really like being able to ship my products to Canada. Like, I like that. (laughs) That makes sense to me if there's a world pandemic the next time because we're covered. So give yourself a little bit of flexibility for your vision because if you close yourself out, maybe even how I was once upon a time, then you don't allow your brand to live. Like, I am so grateful that I was able to grow a long-standing dog walking business and be able to move that brand into the online space as a brand. It's not like, well, we're only dog walkers. No, well, we're, this is a pet brand that's now moving in service space to pet base, and it, and it moved without, it, without a hitch. So give yourself a little bit of that wiggle room. Don't make mistakes that I made where I had to completely change my name because it was just only walking focus. And then I had to completely change my logo because it was walking focus. So it didn't even attract the product space. So when you're creating your vision for long-term generation legacy, give yourself a little wiggle room. Well, maybe I might want to do this. And maybe if I added, like you said, adventure hikes. What if I wanted to add adventure hikes? You know, I have a client right now who her, her brand name is Dog Walking. Well, she's having an issue because she actually offers off-leash adventure hikes for like over 90 minutes. 
And her clients believe that she's a dog walker. She has her city dog walkers. Let's just say Texas, Texas dog walkers. And so she's she's in a price hikes with $25 dog walkers right now. She's like, everyone in my area is like $25, $20 dog walker. But I was like, you're not even a dog walker. (laughs) You should be at $49.55 because you're doing this adventure hikes off leash. You're training. You know, you're showing them how to adapt in a pack. Like you're a dog trainer at this point. You're not, you shouldn't even be in the $25 because you're not a dog walker. And she like had this epiphany. She's like, oh yeah, I am doing a lot more work and I'm not getting my, what I'm worth. And I said, because you're not, your container is not proper. You're in a dog walking container and you're not even dog walker, (laughs) you know, but it's happening to all of us as we expand our services and we're wondering how much we should charge. Write out the value that you can articulate to the client of actually what you do. I mean, she has nine, ten dogs going out to the beach. I mean, that's clearly not a 30-minute around the block. (laughs) (laughs) And she gives them a bath after, and, you know, she she does a lot. Yeah. So you want to be able to articulate the container to the client. If you would like to join Natasha's monthly membership group, you can do so at automatedceo.com and use the code PSE20 for 15% off. We thank you very much for listening to this. I know it was not the most exciting episode, but it is necessary, and hopefully you learned something. Absolutely. We know it's different for everybody. This is one approach. This is just some principles to start looking at where you're spending money, how you can control it, and what are some things that you can start doing right now to plan for the future. That's all budgeting is doing. It's planning and getting some goals in mind for you and your business. Thank you to Pet Sitters Associates, and we hope you join us next time. Thank you. Bye. I'm <laughs> sorry.